We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the SoRare Andrews podcast brought to you by Rotowire and sponsored by SoRare. I am Andrew Laird, Lairdinho on SoRare. With me as always is Andy Black at uh, Black on SoRare. And joining us today, Maxime Hagenbourget, almost got it, from SoRare yeah. Data. Um, we thought Maxime would be the perfect guest to talk about the successful uh, transition to the new scaling solution and the last time I checked we're we're still transitioning to the new scaling solution. Uh, Maxime, welcome back. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, hi, everyone. And great that you see that the podcast is actually sponsored by Sora. Great stuff. It is finally now, yes. Does that mean we're like corporate shills now and we... Totally you know, corporate shills. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, everything is positive now. Don't you dare say okay. anything. About yeah, Sora. I'm going to leave now. See you. Yeah. <laughs> Pure conflicts of interest now. Uh, yeah. We have this. So, uh, we wanted to do this on Wednesday, and the new scaling solution was being implemented that day. And we thought maybe we should just wait a little bit to see how it went. And it's still going. So, Maxine, you're probably the better um, person to talk about this, but like, how is it going? No, I, I, I guess it's. Almost over now. Um, they they're pretty careful about um, communication since they <laughs> were very ambitious at the beginning, saying this should be done in four hours. I, I told Pierre, which is one of the senior developers there, you guys are legends if you <laughs> manage to do this in a, in four hours. And yeah, uh, <laughs> as it. Uh, <laughs> was planned uh it actually took way longer than four hours but uh, for um something of that magnitude and, and that complexity and also that um immaturity because it's way brand new technology um it's it's uh, absolutely amazing what they've done um and right now you can sell boy cars on the secondary market so i guess that's um Basically, the end of the transition. What's missing uh, still is actually um, edge settlements uh, that are fast. Now you you have to wait for several hours, uh, in some cases, for your 
ETH to be credited on your balance, but it doesn't really change from uh, what we've known already. But um, I guess next next week it will be over. Everyone will see instant settlement, like instant under a minute or under five minute settlements, and um, that'd be great. Because um, just to clarify, the first time you're moving your card in the new system, so in this layer two system, they have to migrate the card from uh, Ethereum to uh, Starkware. So that means that you have to wait for the settlement on the main chain. So that takes some time. But once in it's on the layer two, it's uh, basically very fast uh, afterwards. So that's why they say um, it's going to be um, a shorter um, in the next weeks. So they're, are they not migrating all the cards uh, no. like up front? No. No, because that would mean... Um, that would mean a lot of money. Sure. And if a card doesn't move, I guess that's not a problem. So okay. it just stays there. Um, wh well, the, the only thing that matters is that you can't sell a card. Like, let's say that you have the card on the layer two and you still own it on the layer one. And you say, hey, guys, I'm selling uh, Mbappes for 10 ETH, for example but you still own that only it's on, on the layer two. So that's why you have to migrate the card. Um, and that's why it takes a bit of time at first, but I think they are gladly paying transaction fees for that matter, because that's the, the last time, obviously, if someone doesn't withdraw to layer one, uh, the card to I think pay, that, the last time they pay for transaction fees. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I never really even considered that as like a, uh, a way forward because I didn't. I guess I didn't totally understand like the tech side of it. But I've got cards in my gallery that may never move again. Um, just they're, you know, an old retired player or something that nobody's gonna ever want. Why migrate it? Why pay gas fees to move it? Um, makes sense. I've yeah. got plenty of current players who will probably never be sold that I'll never play. So. <laughs> Nice that yours are at least retired. Yeah. Remember the time when, like back in March, someone just did a bot where with like buying every card um, under point oh twenty five. So that they may move at some point. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess we will see that uh, another day, maybe in the coming weeks. I guess. Um, a bot that's gonna buy all my stuff. Yeah, in the coming all, weeks. all the worthless stuff. <laughs> uh, but I guess you shouldn't um, like sell too fast your retired player cards because we know that they want to do some kind of um, um, give some kind of utility yeah. to those players. Uh, I've always wanted to do something that's um, um, doing replays also on Solar Data. Um, I guess that's a fun way also to kind of earn, earn stuff um, with retired players. But uh, I guess um, stats being uh, like limited to the 2019 season onwards, it's a bit complicated to organize those yeah. competitions. I was going right to say, now. who's the best player on the platform that's either retired or, um, I mean, probably Maradona, right? Yeah. But we don't have the stats for Maradona, and yeah. I don't, and we will never get never the get stats him. for Maradona. Yeah, right. But 
like Jeremy Mathieu was a very good player that retired. Um, we have the Bender brothers also that have retired. Yeah. got decently in 2019. Um, Company was pretty good. But I, yeah. yeah, I wonder if they actually need statistics or if they could do it based on something else. I don't know. I would love Ish. to have them graded much on very subjective things just randomly. That's I definitely want that. <laughs> well, I don't mean I don't mean that. I mean just more it doesn't have to be the current scoring system, but they could do more of like a goals, assists, clean sheets, um, like a basic mode, I don't know. Yeah, I even know. that is very complicated to do, but yeah. I guess what the 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 thing I want to see for Soria cards like in the in the next years is some kind of fan engagement um stuff like you own ten cards of the club um whether it's a retired player or a player not playing in the club anymore well you can go to the stadium and uh get uh, tickets for free or uh, discounts on tickets etc so I guess if you're a fan of a club and you st you own retired players from that club, I guess that's if you don't need the money, that's good too. If you don't need the point oh oh three ETH, uh, I guess that's a a nice keep. I uh, meant to bring this up at some point, but we may as well talk about it now. With these uh, coach cards, somebody, a friend of mine, was got a trade offer the other day. For, to somebody wanted to send him the, his Claudio Ranieri card. And he was like, what do I do with it? And I'm like, oh no, that's, you just keep it. Like they're, they're, at some point we're supposed to have utility with these cards, but like right now we don't. How many managers need to be on the platform like cards for them to make something that there's utility? Wow. I, I'm not sure I even get the question. So like, <laughs> can you so do right that now again? we have, we have Ranieri and yeah. Bill oh. Neville, who I think are the only two active manager. I don't even know if Ranieri is hired. Zidane. Zidane will be an active coach at some point. Sure. So, so if we have only three, like yeah. you can't build something that gives those guys utility. Yeah. But so, also, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I understand, but also, uh, you have to reward at some point those guys for sure. holding those cards for so long without like, anything. Like it's the same thing with those David Beckham cards from 2011. I guess they are pretty. Well, I, I don't really like the design, but I guess it's uh, personal. I don't think you have to do anything though. I, I also, I, I think it's a stretch to say they're from 2011. Yeah, but I mean. At some point, you have to justify their value on the market. I, I, I guess uh, uh, collectible is fine, but they they are, they are just limited editions of cards that, like, no one from twenty eleven also existed as a as a Soria card, and you can't do anything with it. So, I guess it's a bit it's a bit frustrating for me, and I, I never understood people that. Um, actually bought those cards and during the the march frenzy we saw people buying maradona for um like uh, thousands of dollars and also david beckham cards for thousands of dollars also i mean i, I don't i don't see Soraya being 
um, legitimate, let's say, for issuing um, older cards like uh, back in 2011 or back in, I don't know, 1976 or 78 for the unique card uh, for Trevor Booking. I guess it's 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 an experiment but um i don't i don't feel they are legitimate to issue those cards just because they don't have utility no just because it's it's just issuing cards that uh, like you're in 2019 or you're yeah. in 2020 and you're issuing cards that uh, were from season 1979 like what's I, the I, point i agree it should say 2021 on those cards or the current year like it almost is i mean obviously this didn't exist in 1970, whatever, but it still is weird to put that year on the card. Like, I don't know. Just odd. Yeah, I guess I guess it makes more sense to buy a real card, like a Panini card from Trevor Booking back in, that yeah. was edited in 1979. Right. Instead of a digital card that has no utility right now and um, has little collectible value to me, but I, I guess it's also personal. What uh, what kind of value do you attach to those cards? So, do you think that every card needs to have utility um, beyond collectability? No, I, I, I guess no. I, I, that's not what I'm saying. I guess um, utility for all cards is good, but I guess um, if you're doing collectibles, just do it like uh, by issuing cards that are uh, from the year you're issuing them. Right. I guess I guess a, tw a twenty nineteen a twenty eighteen card like for um, a Belgian player should have more value in ten years because you will say that it's one of the first cards to be uh, um, issued on Sorel also for this player etc. So I guess. That makes sense uh, in terms of uh, collectible value, but uh, for the twenty, the nineteen seventy nine or something, uh, book a card. I guess a booking card. I guess uh, I, I don't see the point in this. That's fair. That's fair. So, Andy, I wanted to bring this up because a few people have been a little pitchforky about the auctions that were going on early during the transition. Yeah, and you picked up a card. Yeah. And after that, it looked like there was announcement that these cards weren't actually real, that the auctions weren't real. Do you think that you own this Darlington Nagby card that you bought? <laughs> well, because it looks like you own it. it. It was obviously insider access from a affiliate or whatever we are, a, a, an official sponsored <laughs> uh, content creator. Um, sorry, taking shots at a guy out in the community that's you got, uh, yeah, you got the discount of paying 15% more than the last, <laughs> than the yeah, last, I bought, I bought Darlington Nagby for more than he was on the secondary mar market. I, I'm definitely getting some, <laughs> some insider advantage here. Um, <laughs> yeah, anybody could bid on, bid on those cards. I don't, I don't know what that was all about. Um, I didn't see any announcements saying that those cards were pretend or not real or whatever. I, uh, I own the card. It's in my account, I think. I don't know. I haven't I haven't checked, but I played him this week. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Let me check. It was Darlington Nagby. He's my uh He's, my he's latest your latest person. signing. It does still say transfer in progress, but I don't know. I thought yeah. we were never supposed to see that again. Let me check. 
Yeah, but uh, I guess the first cards were kind of like um, crash tests, and um, some of them there were some hiccups. Might be lost in the. No, uh, it's yours. It's yours. All right. I see it on. Congratulations. The, Thank you. On the layer two. Did you did you bid on it expecting to own the card? As, I know that sounds ridiculous, but like. I'll, I'll be completely honest. I bid on the card because I wanted I, it. It felt like at that point the scaling solution was like almost done. I was like, all right, well, if I win this, I should see it transfer immediately into my wallet. So, also like I have some Columbus players, so it didn't. It wasn't that crazy for me to own him, but I was just I kind of wanted to see the 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 scaling solution work. Um, like I, I thought I bid on this, I win it, it'll be in my wallet immediately. Like I'll see that transfer in progress go away. Well, it's transfer in progress is still on the card. So, no, I, I guess it's just an indexing uh, problem uh, over there okay. for discount particularly. And uh, uh, yeah, transfer progress will stay on for like a minute or so. Um, in More most than cases, a minute. it's been on there for like forty-eight hours. Yeah, but you also you have to contact support. That's, that's, that's gotcha. pretty, and at that's one pretty point, obvious. At what point? Too loud, HG. Yeah, I'm too loud. I'm too loud for my girlfriend. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no contact support for this. Yeah. But like theoretically, if you buy that card, somebody made a comment uh, the other day. I think I shared the tweet with you guys that like it's going to be the new scaling solutions going to be really helpful around deadlines because once you buy cards, like they're immediately available. But they were always immediately available to play. Yeah, you think they're we're going to see like a ton of card flipping, no. like like multiple card the card being flipped multiple times before deadlines. Yeah, I guess it helps because you can have those flips pretty fast, but right. also it will help uh, people like me <laughs> because uh, on Saturday data um, it was it was messy behind, be, um, before the deadline because I didn't get uh, direct offers um, directly on the website. And right now I'm getting everything live. So basically, if you trade a card before the deadline, you won't have to send me a DM saying, hey, I just bought that card. It doesn't appear in my gallery. Can you do something? Because you use the real blockchain data on your site, not the yeah. visual cube that SoRare uses. Yeah, for many reasons, I prefer having my own database. Um, like I know some of the other third parties are, are only using the SOAR API to do that. But um, to me, it uh, lacks flexibility if I do that. And um, so, yeah, I'm getting the data feed directly from SOAR and from the layer two transactions. Uh, oh. I, I, I will also be in the... Well, so our data will be in the data committee, uh, data validation committee. So, um, if you have some some problems with the data that um, is sent to the layer two, uh, I might be the the person that you come and see and say, "Hey, uh, I have a problem with the data. It's not right," and I can prove it to you that it's uh, either you're right or you're wrong because I I will store a copy of that data. Uh, but yeah, but I, I guess. What it, what is important here is okay, we get fast settlement, but that's it. Um, in terms of uh, more third parties applica third party applications directly on chain, 
you, we don't get anything more than this because the only thing that they're doing with the layer two is saying, hey, this card transferred from this guy to this guy, all right? And they do it like, um, uh, what, it's, what is done basically is instead of saying to the blockchain every time there's a transfer, okay, there's a transfer, they're saying to the layer two, okay, there's a transfer. The layer two just um, assembles like batches of transactions and say um, every hour or every eight hours or something, it says to the layer one, so to Ethereum, A, I have um, those batch of transactions that happened in the past eight hours or something. And uh, I prove it to you that uh, these are legitimate uh, transfers. What that means is um, if you want to do a third party doing like loans or something, um, you have to somehow use Sora to do that. So Sora's API to do that. And you can't like just do it um, on another application where you just like uh, link your Sora account or uh, your Sora address or your MetaMask to it. So I guess that's that's the only thing that is a bit frustrating for me is that uh, basically loan markets will be very difficult to do with this solution without um, having some access to Sora's features like if you want to transfer a card through another application than Soraya, Soraya has to authorize you to do that. And I don't think they will do it um, short term at least. Um, back to the original question real quick. Uh, I think we will see like increased liquid liquidity in the market because like when I, if I sell a card right before the deadline, uh, I should in theory, get the ETH for that right away or pretty quickly as right now we don't get that ETH quickly or yeah. right away. It takes a few hours or whatever, but if you get it right away, then if I need to make a purchase, you know, I sell a card, buy a card right before, but there's uh, I guess chain reactions with that. I, I buy a card right before the deadline. Somebody else gets that ETH. They can do something with it um, or not. I mean, we're sleeping before the deadline. It's, uh, yeah. AM or something for us. So there's, there. I'm not, I'm not playing the market before uh, game weeks, but there, I'm sure people are. I'm, yep. I'm fully convinced they're going to move the game week deadline again. Yeah, I uh, discussed this with Carl the other day, and I, uh, I don't want to. Well, like, mm, it's unclear when and if. So I. I I guess the it's the same problem as before. Um, what do you prefer? Do you prefer people being frustrating with DNPs being announced um, during the afternoon when your lineups are locked, or do you prefer removing some some utility from some cards? Um, well, HG, you probably understand this issue better than us. They can they could still do the thing where they have game weeks go all the way, like run into each other. The issue would yeah. be, um, and, and you could move it to Friday, um, like later sure. in the day today, for instance, you could do it here five hours from now. Um, yeah. But the issue is, is it's too late in the day for them because there's some manual work. Really, I, I, I don't really 
I guess the problem would be, yeah, so it's um, that would be 17 hours uh, UTC would be uh, 19, so 7 p.m. Uh, in Paris. <laughs> in Paris, 7 p.m. is pretty late um, in terms of working hours, so I get that. So, I mean, I have no problem with um, them saying, hey, it's maybe too late in the day. Um, we can't deliver rewards in like uh, two hours and we don't want people to work until 9 p.m. on a Friday night. And that makes sense. Um, however, I don't, I don't feel like th they have to make a choice. So um, I guess they're working on um, um, accelerating the process of delivering rewards. So if we have instant rewards or something, uh, that will solve the problem. Because I guess that, that their ambition is to have rewards the same day as the the game we closes, and I guess that's their priority and, and objective. So they don't want to uh, have um, a deadline that is too late uh, for them to distribute their rewards on the same day. Um, so I guess that's the problem. And me as a player, I, I I don't think I care too much about getting the rewards on the Friday or on the Saturday. When you say that, do you mean they want you to get your rewards so that you can use them use them in that game? No, 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 no. Okay. N not necessarily use them, but gotcha. at, at least get them the same day as the right. game we closes. And I guess you don't, as a company, as so I, I wouldn't want people to work on a Saturday also. Um, so I yeah, guess I that totally doesn't make that. sense. Um, so I guess the only way is for them is to um work on the delivery system and uh, have it working in like uh, automatically or in like 10 or 15 minutes maximum or to hire somebody in america and and train them up it's not so rare philosophy to <laughs> hire people in america yeah, or if they do you come to paris so yeah, i get it the yeah. but the deadline used to be uh i mean it was noon eastern right so i mean it was six hours later than it is now and did they just decide that was too late? Uh, no, I guess the summer deadline is because uh, of international games. That was the right hour to have like um, to, to be uh, like persistent with the international games. Um, but I guess um, I, I guess the, the only option I see is us going back to a gap of five or six hours. Um, or, uh, between or game automation, games. right? You can yeah, but I, I don't see there. it happening in August. I get I, right. I okay, mean, it's it's too. Oh, well, you know, another thing I propose to Carl is uh, dynamic times. But what he told me is like, no, uh, we want the game to start for everyone at the same time, and we want and and okay, that makes sense. I I don't really like it, but that that makes sense. And also, yeah. you might lose some people that um, are confused with uh, starting time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, okay, that makes sense. But if I'll be honest, if they kept changing the the game week deadline, I would probably uh, get confused and miss weeks and forget to set lineups and stuff. I already have a hard enough time, like you know, just. Did you mean dynamic for everything or dynamic for each tournament no, or each region? My yeah, my idea would be uh, it's at least uh, starting at. Um, um right now what it is it's like uh yeah 10 utc yeah, yeah that's right 10 utc and if for example challenger europe's game start at uh 16 utc 
then the Challenger Europe leagues start at 15 UTC. But um, that way you don't like you don't go uh, earlier than um, than right now. But you can go later for some divisions because they have no games planned um, for in those divisions. So, but I, I get that's confusing, and maybe some people won't like it. But as a challenger Europe and a champion Europe player, I want the deadline to be at that little, yeah, uh, as Wait, late as awesome. I can. Yeah. Yeah. I think because so many people on the platform are focused on those two, that they're going to move it. That, like, that's those two regions are why I think they will absolutely make it later because getting any news is really helpful and being you get a able lot of to, news on Friday. Right. And being yeah. able to trial this early deadline when those leagues are not around, not playing is easy for them. Yeah, I mean you you like today we'll get like in the in the afternoon in Europe we'll get all the squads for the GPL games, all the yeah. squads for the Russian games. And since it's the beginning of the season, you're already picking quite blindly like yeah. i don't know if this guy is going to start and sometimes with player coming back from the euros you don't even know if he's going to be in the, on the squad like for vanaken or mignole that's very unlikely that they even start the game but if you can have that, that information that uh that is very valuable to see if the player is on the squad or not yeah that's the there's gonna be players probably not in the squad that i have in starting lineups and i I did. I worked so hard last night, just like digging through Twitter and everywhere. Yeah. And uh, I thought I thought Jupiler League uh, research uh, wasn't as bad as it was. I forgot, man. It's hard. It is super hard. Uh, so I, I worked worked my butt off, and I know that I'm still gonna have like. There's gonna be a player that's like there's transfer rumors around or something, and he's not gonna be in the squad, and I'm just gonna be sol. This time yeah. of year is just awful for that. Yeah. Like with the transfer window open, it's like, oh, this guy was fit, played all the preseason matches, and then all of a sudden AC Milan calls and they're like, hold on, hold on. He can't play today. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And um, obviously also, so I don't know if it's Opta or Sora, but I guess it's Opta having some kind of a latency be, between the actual announcement of the transfer and um, what's actually showing uh, on their API or on Sora at least. Like for Kusunu Odilon that uh, was transferred to Leverkusen um, yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess even today, I don't know if it's showing on the website, but yesterday it wasn't showing. So if you're oh. not looking carefully about news and transfers, etc., you might... <laughs> get uh, some Both surprises. Osano and Dennis were weird because when I was selecting my challenger teams, they were both available, but they both showed uh, NG, which oh. so they like kind of understood that they were transferred, but they kind of didn't. Yeah, they're doing something that's, uh, if I understand it correctly, that is very weird that they're um, you know, uh, where a player is playing on a team. So do you have like, um, they say he plays on this team, but they also have like uh, player memberships. Like they played in this team for like uh, two years or something. And let's say if the membership ends today for Bruges, 
they might say he's available for the game week. You see what I mean? But they can't find a, an active game since they say he's playing for Leverkusen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a bit confusing. Also, that's why we had some troubles picking players for uh, international games. That was tough. Yeah, like, I, I, if you didn't know that you owned Marquinhos, <laughs> they, they, they're like, I, I own Marquinhos and he's, he was playing the Copa America and uh, on the, the, the lineup uh, picker on Sora, he wasn't, you had to type his name to actually know that he was playing. I had so, so many cards I didn't get to use or I forgot to use uh, during <laughs> international. And I think I struggled a lot because I wasn't really digging through my... Yeah um gallery but i know like renan lodi he started i don't know maybe half their games or something or he played a decent amount and i don't yeah. think i, I might, might have used him like once or twice because i kept forgetting that he was there yeah <laughs> no it's the, the, the true and i guess so uh, that uh kind of helped uh scouting players that were playing uh, for international teams but manual scouting and um, also digging on social media, etc. Um, is always the best. I mean, you can get uh, info from various websites, but a human being checking websites and digging through information is always better than just a website telling you yeah. he's going to play, especially when you're looking at RotoWire MLS predicted lineups. Um <laughs> Uh, no, but I guess uh, that's that's the my only way to know if one of my MLS player is actually maybe playing. <laughs> and I, I, I don't blame Rotowire for this because injury reports are, are weird in the US and I guess they are not very transparent about everything. But, injuries uh, are the worst. They, they are not transparent at all about injuries. Yeah. So it's very difficult to actually get the right information. But if you do something in, like checking the, the, the friendlies that happened before uh, in the preseason, for, uh, especially for GPL teams, uh, that's interesting. I wasn't expected to be tilted about MLS injuries at 7.57 this morning, but here we are. Um, so back to this scaling thing <laughs> that we're supposed to be talking about. From... A user perspective, like just playing the game, other than faster transfers, that means I just get my ETH faster or my card faster so I can resell it. Is it, yeah. Am I going to notice any difference otherwise? Yeah, you're going to notice uncommon cards. And that's a big difference. I guess that's, that's a very, very big difference. And that's why, I guess, for a lot of people, they are kind of disappointed about the transition because they don't see anything actually happen for them. But um, this transition is an enabler for so many things uh, because they don't have to pay for transaction fees anymore. Um, so uncommon cards, that means that if uncommons are too expensive at some point or people just bought them all, you could have another scarcity. I don't know what would be the name uh, of... Yeah, common. Uh, this time they are common, but you can buy them. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess one out of ten thousands, and and so yeah, that's an enabler, uh, and yeah, it's also a bit frustrating to me because it's um, not something that is enabling other applications to build on this. 
And so that's a bit frustrating, but that will come um, in the later month or years, I guess. Do you have any fears or concerns over the new scarcity and its effect on um, like the current market? Like, will will, will goalkeepers, for instance, lose value? Um, like, could, could I buy it? And I guess it, I guess a lot of it's unknowns because we don't know how they're gonna implement them totally. But like, I, I saw a lot of like people mentioning like, hey, if I could use an uncommon in All Star D four, I you know I would use that as my goalkeeper. And now goalkeeper prices are gonna come crashing down. And I was just like, it's an interesting thought. I, I think they'll probably keep things separate though for the most part. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Can't I can't say on this, but. Um... I guess one of my fears is going back to some kind of a model where you have, um, let's say, um, not mixing of scarcities. Uh, I guess I've always loved D3, for example, because D3 is actually mixing your best rares with also maybe some super rares, and it enables people to... Uh, play, like, if they have one or two super rares, they can play them in D3. Um, what could be tempting, though, would be having, like, an uncommon division, a rare division, a super rare division, etc. And what I don't like about it is what you said about, like, uh, goalkeepers. Uh, you still have a problem with goalkeeping pr uh, goalkeeper prices. And also, you lose some kind of progression that I like in the game, like having an, an intermediary in, intermediary division where you can play um, a card, a super rare card, or for example, a rare card in uncommon or in uncommon in or uh, in with rare cards. Looks to me like it's a more interesting. That's uh, limiting to only one scarcity in um, um, by division. Um, so I guess the, it it will come down to uh, what kind of format do they create for the game and um, if they are going to create a division 5 for uncommons and can you play commons inside them uh, also uh, commons what do they become Yeah. Um, can you play them in d4 I don't think so I just hope they uh, get rid of commons I hate commons they, every time I look at the commons they drive me nuts because mine are so bad yeah, I, I, Burn like you, you already said uh, many times before is like, why? well, Jimmer, I don't know, but why can't I pick my comments like every week or something? Yeah. Um, that would make more sense. Um, but yeah, it, it all comes down to which format do they choose for um, the game. And my concern would be really losing utility for rare cards because... Uh, rare cards are 90% of the supply right now. Um, uh, Uncommons will become 90% of the supply soon. But uh, I guess um, if you have like one playing division for rares and one playing division for super rares, for example, you're losing a lot of utility for your rares. Or at least that's my perception on things. Um, so yeah, my my concern is this. And... Um, yeah, but I'm, I wouldn't be too worried about pricing and um, goalkeeper prices going to the ground because I, I know that um, they're, when they're doing something, they try not 
um, crashing the market on some on, on all the players because uh, when you bought Thibaut Courtois for the 1.5 ETH, you might be very angry when you have some rules that say, hey, your Courtois is now worth like 0.2 or something. Yeah, they, they very clearly are cognizant and, and think before they make any changes that might have market impacts. In fact, I don't know of, I can't think of any change that they've implemented that ever really had big market implications. Well, um, well. Other than auction times. <laughs> no, I think you can have big impacts with some decisions and. No, you can. I just, I think that they've, they've done a good job at really thinking things through and not, you know. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Super rares, I guess their, their price has gone pretty down consistently. Yeah. Uh, but because at the beginning, if um, there was like a rare division, super rare division, sure. unique division. So you had an incentive that was pretty fine to buy super rares because right. uh, you could get pretty much the same rewards if you're buying five rares. So I guess that that's a decision that removing like the, the, this format that yeah, uh, and, and an probably the poor prizes in D two, but I think that they're kind of correcting that because D two's gotten considerably better from a prize perspective. So I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 twenty three paid ranks this week in AES D two, if I remember correctly. Yeah, a lot better than. <clears throat> yeah, I guess that that's, that's better than before. Or maybe I, I should check that. And it's not Challenger Europe, but let me check. I yeah. Had... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three thoughts on all of that. One is that I was looking at somebody's gallery the other day because I was looking for one of their cards and I saw that they had an Mbappe and a Neymar common. And I was jealous because my commons are so bad. Obviously they can't use them together other than in the rookie or whatever the starter league is if they are if they can still play. But it was just like, I looked at theirs and then I looked at mine and I was like, oh, this is just, 
Could you only use one common in the weekly challenge? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would be not fair. <laughs> if you I was like getting ready to tilt over here. Yeah. No, 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 you're good. Um, secondly, I think the, I think the uncommon should just replace the common in division four that no more commons in, in D four, but you have to, you, you can use a, an uncommon and that gets the 50% hit. Like, yeah. I don't think that should count fully. So I think that's an easy solution. The goalkeeper thing, if we uh, added divisions, and I think we've talked about this, I think Carl has even said this, that like they're, they're the possibility of adding divisions. So there could be at only rares, then rare and super rare, only super rares. More divisions means you need more goalkeepers. Like you obviously need more cards anyway, but like you, you have to play a goalkeeper in these divisions. And so I think just more divisions means goalkeeper prices have to stay up because they're just fundamentally scarce because there's only one per team. And if there are more contests to enter, we need more goalkeepers. So I don't see how if they if increasing divisions, the number of divisions is actually a thing. That's the easiest way to keep goalkeeper prices high. Not that they want to keep them high, but like that will keep them high. You know, that makes me think of, think of something is in the previous scoring metrics, we had like this weird system that I enjoyed that was playing a DNP was sometimes better than playing um, um, playing goalkeeper because you had neg negative points. Uh, so you could end up with a, a goalkeeper with minus two and lose points because of it. Um, I guess negative points are maybe something that are wrong for some like going under zero, but maybe something is... Um, could be done about like the starting score and uh, having like those DNPs being maybe less punishing than they are right now. And that would also uh, enable people to play goalkeepers that are not starting and maybe have some kind of uh, starting score that doesn't really eliminate your lineups directly. What's, what's your take on that? No. <laughs> Why? I mean, I mean, fundamentally, you're just saying you should be able to enter with four cards, right? No, no, no. I would say that um, um, it's really frustrating for a person that is coming to the game and is seeing very high prices on goalkeepers and... Sometimes you can't even enter the, the, your lineup because you don't have the card. And uh, buying like a backup goalkeeper uh, would be interesting because you would get like, I don't know, 10, 15 points, I don't know, and still be in the contention if your four of the cards score really well um, and get something. And that would reduce, at least to me, I don't know if the idea is good, but what I see is that would reduce the frustration of some people on the fact that they don't own any starting goalkeeper. 10 points for a, being on the bench. Yeah. For yeah. example, 10 on 15. I've always, right. I've always liked that idea where, I mean, if you choose a player that's not even in the squad, then, then you get your DNP zero, 
But right. if they're in the squad, you know, the the values of uh, all those backup goalkeepers is like at least they can churn out 10 points for you. And also a thing that is needed <laughs> for me is just change the goalkeeper scoring metrics. I mean, yeah. it's you get a clean sheet, then <laughs> you're the king of the world because you get 60 points guaranteed. Sometimes you can uh, get up to 80 with uh, some goalkeepers racking up saves. And you could have your guy that uh, considered one goal and like saved five, 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 sh five shots on target, for example, and end up with, I don't know, 45 or something. Or you could be David Ochoa and concede a goal and still score 96 last week. Yeah, that's crazy. But, I mean, it never happens. Like, yeah, it's rare. That, <laughs> It might be the the max score for a goalkeeper. I guess ninety seven or ninety eight. I don't. Somebody got a hundred. Yeah, at some point. Was I don't it know if newer, it was, newer? I don't know if it was live. No, he, or... he was on track for a hundred, and then he conceded. That so, yeah, I think that's that. Somebody like this past like two months got a hundred. Yeah, I can check that anyway. I remember talking about it, but I thought they gave up a goal. Like I thought they were on track for a hundred and then didn't. But yeah, I don't remember. Let me check. Um, I like that idea of points for being in the squad. That makes that that makes everybody feel better. And ten or fifteen points. Oh, there it is. Jonathan Bond got the hundred. That's right. He did have a huge game. Thank you. Uh, does, does giving ten points for being in the squad just kind of like water everything down a little bit though, and not really like you might feel better, but it doesn't actually help you. <laughs> But isn't that isn't that perfect actually? Yeah, <laughs> kind of I feel better. <laughs> Less complaints. I got my ten points, I guess. But but I guess it's if it can fill fill a gap between you and a tier three or a tier two, it's actually very helpful. It it helps. Right, uh, it and because too, but it also helps everybody else too. Like that also are in the same boat. Yeah. I don't know. Theoretically uh, it it increases the price of backup goalkeepers though because now they actually have utility like I, I now i can and i mean you can always enter a lineup with a backup goalie like it's not that's not actually getting you bram castro just is gonna go way up in value everybody buy bram <laughs> i don't think it justifies a, a value increase though like being a star a backup goalkeeper like scoring 15 points or 10 points I don't think it justifies anything. Uh, actually, three goalkeepers scored 100. Uh, but in previous games, uh, Chesney scored once 100. And Daniel Schmidt also scored 100. Huh. And as you said, Jonathan Bond. I know Barraza only hit like 73 this week. He had a clean sheet and an assist. I was expecting a little more. Oh, well. Must have been a boring game for him. <laughs> Wait, so why why don't you think it increases prices? I mean, I'm not talking like drastically, and these are like cheap players anyway. But theoretically, a, a goalkeeper who gets 10 to 15, 10 or 15 points every week is more valuable than one that gets zero. Yeah, yeah. It probably increases value of uh, backup goalies, but uh, doesn't change anything about reserve goalkeepers' value, I guess. Yes. I agree there, but I, I'm not sure. It just I, I'm not sure I'm paying more for a goal, uh, a backup goalie. 
because he's a backup and he playing he scores 15 points but that's from my perspective because i have uh, already um enough goalkeepers but uh from someone that's that comes from a <laughs> less um you told me yesterday you don't have enough goalkeepers no no i, I said i'm not comfortable with my ch uh, champion europe goalkeepers that, okay. that doesn't mean that i don't have enough but <laughs> I think um, it was, I'm not comfortable with my 10 champion Europe goalkeeper. My nine, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I have Navas, and Navas, I, it, it's it's yeah. so frustrating to own him because he now with Donnarumma, it's like you never know when he's playing or not. Yeah. And I have some, um, and I have also Alban Lafont, which is, um, <laughs> we, he will concede so much this season, so I'm not very comfortable with this. So, But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if I'm if I have like one goalkeeper or two, maybe I'll get a, a backup because I have the chance that the starting one gets injured. And if I get ten to fifteen points in ISD four, for example, um, it can help uh, getting over that two hundred or two fifty mark. Especially if you don't have a common goalkeeper that's playing that week, like. But you could solve everything by just. Letting people choose their goalkeeper, their government goalkeeper for that week. I mean, it's to me, it's so much. It's it's so frustrating to not be able to line up um, champion Asia uh, lineups, only because I have defenders, midfielders, forwards, but I don't have a goalkeeper, and I, I frankly don't care about champion Asia. So I, I didn't invest in buying a goalkeeper or something, but. When you win this in uh, All-Star, you can't even play them um, in Champion Asia because you don't have a goalkeeper, and um, that's a bit weird. And also, uh, I'll finish on this, commons, like, uh, if you're new to the game, don't pick your favorite teams when they told you to, when they tell you to pick your, t your favorite teams. Just pick uh, an Asian team that has a good goalkeeper uh, and European teams that have great players, like PSG, Real Madrid, and you'll get crazy good uh, comments. And that's unfair. I agree. I it is kind have... of funny. They're like, pick your favorites. And like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> Never pick your favorites. We're not here to play by the cards. Pick the best want. clubs. And right. Asia also. If you want to play in Champion Asia, uh, pick, pick um, uh, an Asian team so you can have a, a goalkeeper. Why don't you just... Spend 0 0.01 on a backup Asia goalkeeper because it doesn't score ten. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't win with a DMP goalie. Yeah, I guess, I guess I could do that. I yeah. mean, theoretically, you're only getting fifteen to twenty points out of a common goalkeeper who doesn't keep a clean sheet anyway. I guess I should look at the. Um, threshold to win a card in d4 in champion asia and mm -hmm. see if that's worth it but um i guess in asd4 it justifies itself because you can get to 250 if you get someone yep. that is not scoring at all uh that would be scoring like 60 for the other four players which is yeah i guess good scoring but it's not unlikely i had a goalkeeper in champion Asia D4 this week, but I only had four, three outfield players and I got a tier three card. That's pretty good. So you could have done that. And I'm guessing your Asia players are probably better than mine, my outfield ones. 
you know, <laughs> have like a, a U23 uh, forward and that's it. It's like the Benji Michel uh, in Asia. Of Asia. <laughs> I, I like Benji Michel. It's like I, I, I got it uh, as a reward and he's pretty good. I like him. I have uh, Camilla, I guess it's in uh, uh, the card I have for Champion Asia. But yeah, I guess that I, I should try it and tell you guys if it was, it was worth it or not. But also what I don't like is not having the information I need to actually fill my lineups in, in Asia. That's why also I gave up on it. I, I had a goalkeeper once, but I sold it. Um, I guess it's too frustrating not to have the information and just line people up and don't see what's going to happen. I, I did the same thing. I was getting so frustrated with like, I'd have, I had like, and it wasn't like I didn't have the stars. Like I had uh, Langerak and he's clean sheet every week. Great goalkeeper. And I had one of his defenders. I had Sazinha. Um, I had the Leandro DeMeo. Uh, but I would always end up with like one guy getting rotated or I wouldn't know if like Sazinha was going to play because like he was maybe like nursing an injury. Just got so frustrated. I was like, I'm selling all of them. Selling all of them and gonna just go play something else because I would have like a random midfielder with a DNP and like four great scores and then just blah. So um, instead of instead of like tilting and crying and like complaining, just sell it all. Yeah, invest that that money in buying yeah. a pool or uh, in buying I don't know other no, other cards. In champion Europe is what happened. Yeah, champion yeah. Europe cards. That's good also. Yeah. Did you just consider learning Japanese? You know, uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, I barely know English, so I don't know. I, that's not a good good path for me. If you haven't looked up how much Rosetta Stone is to learn Korean, I don't think you're really playing. <laughs> yeah, that's wait for Black Friday. Yeah, Black Friday is is the the best time of year. And and you know what? I, I bought like the lifetime access to Rosetta Stone last Black Friday. And I haven't opened the application since. <laughs> but hey, I have a lifetime access to Rosetta Stone. Yeah. So, I mean, Very nice. Just when you're ready to learn Japanese and Korean, you're all set. Yeah, I always wanted to learn Korean. Um, yeah, but uh, it's The will know when you buy the, the Kaylee goalkeeper. And we're like, oh, wait, Maxime must have learned Korean, <laughs> finally. Yeah. Do you guys think there's any like unintended consequ consequences or like um, just things we'll start to notice on the platform with the scaling solution in place now where like, I don't know, changes to something? I don't know. No, no. I don't think so. I think that like pre-deadline uh, liquidity is going to be significantly higher than we think. Yeah. So I mean, with all your cards before the deadline. That you're not playing. I think you could. Like, if you're. My, if... my, my big issue is I'm asleep when the deadline comes. So I really can't list cards that I have in lineups. And I'm sure you're the same way, Andrew, um, where you can't list cards because there's a good possibility that one will sell and you'll wake up to a deadline up. Yeah. I had a card. I actually did it early a few weeks ago. I posted a card and it sold like one second before I went to put my lineup in, like I, I opened, it was a Lucas Hinterseer card plays for Ulsan. And like, I, 
I knew it was on the market, but I hadn't gotten the notification that it sold. And I went to like put my lineup into so rare and he wasn't there. And I was like, oh no. And then I didn't have a forward that week. But I don't even mean that. I mean, like, uh, I think we're going to see cards flipped multiple times, like within the hour of deadline. Yeah, but I don't see the point with the losing XP. I guess, uh, okay, it's faster, but you still lose experience points. And I don't see why I would more trade more cards before the deadline now than before. I think people will do it because they like, I don't think it's people who are, who care about the XP. Okay. Like if you're desperately trying to buy a card before the deadline, I don't think anybody's checking XP. And I think there are going to be more people who are, who like primarily focus their so rare attention on the hours before deadline to see which cards they can flip multiple, like, you know, just multiple times, not necessarily the same card, but like, I think there's gonna, just going to be so much more liquidity that we're going to see people do that. Um, one thing that might be added is other currencies than ETH. Boo. Why? Just because yeah, everybody uses it? <laughs> Because dollar is king and fiat is king and ETH doesn't <laughs> isn't used by anyone. Wow, Evaldo, you look so so much different. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I respect that that opinion and and I understand it. But no, I guess the one thing that is still missing is lowering the barrier to entry with the whole crypto onboarding stuff and. To play Sora, you still have to buy ETH, and that's still a problem for many people. And I guess, I, I guess that's the only thing that is left before we actually can open the gate and like come on in. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess it's too. I don't think Nicola um, uh, Sora CEO is a crypto maximalist and will tell people, no, 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 you need to buy ETH to play the game. And I think at some point we will see other currencies. But I mean, that's you can, complicated. You can play without it now. I mean, I know you're technically buying ETH, but you can, you can play so rare now without ever going out and buying ETH somewhere and depositing it on so rare. Uh, I don't want to do the debate all over again, but don't do that. <laughs> no, I, I had someone telling me, and that's fair, and he's right. Like, so our data right now, and it will change in the future, uh, is like calculating prices of a card based on the price of the day and not the last hour. And some people are buying cards. Uh, so is showing the hourly price of Ethereum, so of Ether. So, so it might differ from uh, one hour to another. And where there are big drops or bigger um, rises in in a day, uh, you might have a big difference in uh, the conversion. But I don't know. Buying a card um, that is worth, I don't know, 600 euros at the end of the day and 550 at the start of the day 
is very I, I i don't like having to deal with all that volatility so sticking to f or sticking to another um uh, fiat currencies would be fine to me but i still don't like this um kind of middle ground and to me it's the perfect time to swap to another currencies and just say like let's say we're talking euros or let's say we're talking dollars i don't know but Let's settle down with only one currency and not having to deal with uh, all that. Oh, no, I'm thinking F. Oh, but me, I'm thinking Euro. Oh, the, the F price just dropped uh, 10%. Uh, I don't know. Just, just just make up your mind and, and stop it. But it's, it has to be one. Surely. But <laughs> dollars against euros change way right. less than uh, dollars versus um, ETH. So I guess that's that's better. But that would be Euro, I guess, because they're European and why not? No, but I guess because the, the user base is mainly European. So Euro would make sense. But oh. if they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is, what is a Euro compared to a dollar? Euro is worth like a dollar 25 or something compared to a dollar? Yeah, a bit less, yeah. 118 okay. or 120. That's pretty close. It won't be yeah, that hard. I don't know. Math is hard for me, though. So, like, it's five percent over one year over over another. So, so I guess losing five percent instead of losing twenty five percent in one day is fine. Yeah. Yeah, I know you don't like losing F, uh, Andrew, but uh, I guess that I needs to happen. I mean, no, I you, you can't say to people on Instagram, like, hey, come on in. Uh, you're going to play a, a fantasy football game, but you have to go to Coinbase first and buy <laughs> ETH and transfer it to, or you have to do it on ramp and everything loses value every day or gains value, but we don't know why. Uh, <laughs> it, it cannot. Yeah, there's a lot of training and teaching and, uh, yeah, a lot of work that's involved with that when you can just kind of sk skip the process. Mm -hmm. um yeah uh yeah we had one question that i really wanted to um answer to that is uh the question about uh were we on sora during the market frenzy the last uh, time yeah Don't and what were the signs <laughs> and my answer is of course we were there but my answer is check out Mbappe's order book. That's the only thing that you need to check. Mbappe's order book. If people are buying Mbappe's for crazy prices, that means that everything's going to fall. Did you buy an Mbappe today? Yeah. <laughs> Did you no, sell one today? Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's, that's, was it instant? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I had to wait eight hours for my ETH to actually come on my balance. No, but I had an um, unfortunate event where I was testing notifications for Sora Data and listed the Mbappe card because I had notifications set up for him. Didn't I completely forgot to actually remove the listing. You know what's... And woke up and the card was sold. You know what's funny about your answer? Um, I almost replied to that, that guy's tweet with the response... Um, uh, were there any signs, you know, that we, we noticed? And it was, I was going to say, yeah, when Gary V bought an Mbappe, <laughs> but 
yeah. just similar to your answer. <laughs> yeah, I guess when people are rushing to blue chips, so very valuable cards, that means that there's going there's something that's going to happen. And right now, you see Mbappe doesn't isn't listed for less than uh, 14 net, I think, which is significantly higher than the past um, month. And I can also promote Sora Data and say that you can find expired listings right now on the price graphs. And that's very helpful if you want to um, actually know where you should list your card uh, to actually have a chance to be bought. And uh, yeah, so expired listings for Mbappe like two weeks ago were 9.6, 9.5. And uh, today it's uh, uh, significantly higher. Well, hmm. yeah, that that you want to buy an Mbappe too, right? I do. Yeah, I, I just bought an Mbappe because I want to have my chance at listing my Mbappe for fifty at and, <laughs> and be the lucky winner. I'm gonna pull this up. So apologies for those who are listening and can't see this. But this is the Mbappe price graph for the year. Is and that you can a year? See... Oh, yeah. You know you can click on one year now? Oh, okay, yeah, sorry, it's from, year to date. Okay, okay, okay. From, yeah, year to date, sorry. And it's funny to see. I, <laughs> I had to bring this in. I'm going to show the direct offers too because that adds a few more of them, but nothing crazy. But it's I love seeing how many have been posted and not sold. Every And... The the total shoot for the moon, like how there's always one on the market for a hundred ETH, just yeah. in case something you know that, comes along. You know that's but, me. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's me like, testing notifications and nuts and listing the cards. Um, but yeah, I, I think this this is a very cool uh, addition. But you yeah, can it's see, very nice. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a bit crowded is. here. But uh, if you if you check one month, it's pretty helpful uh, over the last days to see um, what should be the the price. You see, like you had a sale <laughs> at uh, at twelve ETH and another one at ten, and right now expired offers should be above that uh, that number, obviously. Right. You yeah. Could, yeah, and it's also very helpful for super rares, uh, which have basically sometimes no valuation at all. And having like to see where the last one expired or something is very helpful. Because if that expired, that means that the market just didn't buy it for that price. And you see, it's I was surprised to see, well, I didn't check everything, of course, but I was very surprised to see all the, the market was pretty accurate. I mean... Mm -hmm like people just buying at the let's say 0.01 eth under um the i the, the lowest expired uh, listing that's that's pretty awesome yeah so yeah. thanks for thanks for the promotion uh, yeah yeah Andrew. it was a very cool feature i uh it was worth yeah. talking for sure is there anything else? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I have a cool question for you guys. What do you... Uh, well, well, with Uncommons, uh, I had a, a discussion with uh, Zanoub, which is a, a French uh, ambassador for Soraya. And he was basically saying, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that Uncommons will 
lower the prices. I, I guess uh, just more people will come and buy at crazy prices and comments. Uh, I, I'm not sure I agree with that, but what would you think would be the minimum price for an Mbappe uncommon card? Ten ETH is going to be a lot. Yeah, ten ETH is the rare card price. Yeah, but the minimum was at the beginning. Uh, that was like two or three ETH. But let's say right now the minimum is barely eight, seven to eight. I would say, um, not knowing what the what that even system gameplay all that is even going to look like, just throwing random numbers out there. I'm going to say three ETH. So you're saying no one is going to buy an uncommon Mbappe card for less than three ETH? Um, I think that if you want to buy one, that's what it's going to cost. I was going to say one, one wow. ETH for an for an Mbappe uncommon. But I think there's going to be lots of price discovery on that, where it's you're going to have some way under and some way over, and then it's going to settle somewhere. I'm saying we see. Uh, under a thousand euros, uh, Mbappe Mbappe is uncommon. So that's half an ETH ish. Yeah, but under because it no, it's well 0.6 at the time, I guess. Um, yeah, I think sure. I'm I think sure the, the problem with Mbappe uncommons is. Like we're thinking, oh, they're adding a new scarcity. It's a thousand of every player is going to flood the market. A million users with 1,111 Mbappes, like it's just not that, it's not enough, it's not that many cards. Like they're still really scarce. Yeah. So what's your rezoning now? So if you, if you know that, what, what, should, you do, what should you do now? <laughs> I still think it's only one, like because they're going to sell them before we get to a million users. No, but, but I mean, when you, when you acknowledge that there's going to be a million users on Sora at some point. And, and comments will go pretty expensive. I guess my reasoning is I'm not selling any card right now. I'm not selling any rare card, especially not any super rare card. I'm just keeping everything. And I'm, I'm not saying that you guys should, but it mean, I guess it's pretty logical if you think that in in like six months or something there's a million users on Sora and they will be paying a lot for uncommon cards so <laughs> what's the price for super rares or for, what's yeah. the price for rare cards the only reason i sell cards right now is to get into different cards get yeah. into a better sure. card yeah so how many let's say they get to they add a hundred thousand users. Like, let's just use that as the round number. Cause I think a million is a little crazy. So a hundred thousand new users come once they introduce this new scarcity, what percentage of those users? And I'll even say that there are a hundred thousand active users. Like they, they, they will continue to play and all of that. What percentage of that group just plays with uncommons? Yeah. Um, I don't know because it's very high. Not even at first, forever. Like there are going to be people who are just, who look at the rares and say, you know what? That's just too much for me. I'm going to keep playing, you know, uncommons and they'll be perfectly content I, with that. I think people are always going to want to progress up. 
Uh, I think that the number of people that are just going to be content and stay is going to be pretty low. I, I think I think the reason why I think the number is higher is because they're, the people who try to play now on a budget, like a smaller budget, and are buying cards now of young players who are DNPs or guys coming back from injuries, if you could use that same money and buy all of the rare cards, like the uncommon versions of the rare cards you actually want to buy, why wouldn't you just do that? I don't know. Margins are going to be worse. Yeah. Um, but it's more fun. Your fun margin is higher. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. People buying and comments depend on a lot of things, especially formats, uh, gaming formats. And uh, we will see a Division 5. We will see utility of our uncommon cards in D4. That's, I don't know. We will see auctions for uncommon cards. Um, I'm pr- it looks like it. Uh, I'm not sure about it, but uh, uh, and also the market will be completely floated by uh, uncommon cards, and I don't know how it's going to happen. Like um, <laughs> that many, oh, that many cards being uh, on sale, that will be crazy. So, and we don't know if they're actually going to issue a thousand cards for every player that uh, is on Sora. So. Yeah, I guess the safe bet is just sticking to rares right now and having the opportunity to buy rares without having like the um, the mainstream media uh, all, all over Soria already uh, and the mainstream crowd, I'd, I'd say, is a pretty good opportunity, I guess. But uh, hmm. n- not financial advice, <laughs> n- not investment advice. It you sounded, will like lose money if- sounded like investment advice. Yeah. yeah. No. no, no. I, I well, let's say that's what I'm doing, and you shouldn't be doing what I do <laughs> if you're not convinced about uh, what I just said. Because I, I guess some people are just thinking, no, Soraya is probably not going to make it to a million users. It's too complicated. Um, ETH is too much of a problem. They won't get away from ETH, and I mean that's fine. And maybe they're right. And they are probably right, but I'm more on the bullish side of things, I guess. I built a so company you, over this, so I pretty much be uh, bullish on this. So, but like fundamentally, so you think that more users, even with uncommons, the growth in users will make rare cards more valuable as opposed to watering down the value of rare cards because they're, we have this, uh, this cheaper option. You think there are enough people who come in because of the new scarcity that they'll want more rare cards and therefore our current rare cards will be worth more. That's why you're not saying I, I guess I guess that's the reasoning, yeah. And it works out if you have also good progression in the game and that makes people want to actually own rare cards. Right. So that's why I don't want rare cards to lose utility in the in the process of uh, introducing uncommons. You're you're saying like if there was a D five where you had to have or you could have up to like two rares to put into your lineups and they have some kind of XP boost or whatever, uh, you know you're kind of pushing people up, right? No, but uh, yeah, but yeah. Let's say that uh, I don't want Soa to become an uncommon game, yeah. and I want to keep 
uh, the current uh, tournament structure and having also more rewards for uncommon players that's that's fine by me but without um without touching to what's uh, actually happening for rare cards uh, another just uh, small point on this i know one of the objectives for uh, Soria is actually enable more utility from t2 and tr3 cards and i'm also looking forward to see what they have in uh, they have planned for this that could also mean that tier two and tier three rare cards might not be that worthless after all. That 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 would be fun also. I mean, I'm happy to have my cards worth more. That sounds good to me. That's all. As long as as my blue chips are untouched, I mean, I'm fine. I don't even have any, so. Yeah, that's that's why I say my. Yeah. <laughs> no, Black's, Black has more blue chips than me. <clears throat> he was just name dropping like the five best Asia players. And he was like, oh, I have this guy and this, no, guy. this guy. I don't know anything about guy. them, but they happen to be one through five in the rankings. So Yeah, and they happen to randomly BNP and, and tilt me. So I sold them. Yeah, but now you're, you're going to be able to tilt on GPL players not playing. And oh, that's we're all going to be doing that this weekend. Yeah. Uh, in fact, not even that this weekend. Today, in about Today. five hours, we'll be tilting over something. Yeah, and that's pretty great. I was looking forward to this week for quite some time now, and I'm really happy to be there. Yep. And in two weeks, Ligue 1, some Portuguese football also. That, mm -hmm. that's, that's the coolest moment of the season. And yeah. I don't know if you guys saw this, but they actually said that they are going to release, that their objective would be to release all clubs from a league two weeks after the league has started yeah that's ambitious <laughs> well it all comes back to uh the whole thing with the scaling solution and i i would just uh if i could offer any advice to the so rare team at all it would be you know uh i would i would focus on under promising and over delivering so uh getting that scaling solution done in four hours was a bit optimistic, I, I imagine. I mean, I'm not a technical guy. Well, I'm not technical in that sense, so I don't know exactly what they were doing. But uh, it just seems like, you know, very ambitious. Uh, and I think that you can always, you can all, you'll always keep your customers happy if you get it done early. So if they would have said the scaling solution was going to take two days and they got it done in one, amazing, amazing. People would have been thrilled. Uh, I would say the same for, for some of the stuff with releasing new cards, like don't set, there's going to be, there will be people that are like, you said two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they'd also say a bit later in the text, like it doesn't depend on us. That's our objective. But right. of course, if we don't receive uh, pictures, uh, we can do it. Uh, so yeah, but the, if they do it, that means that this week we have more uh, Bruges cards, more uh, Anderlecht, Antwerp, uh, more Seska Moscow, or so Russian cards, and that should be an exciting two weeks. Yeah, for sure. They'll stop minting the uh, MLS cards for a bit. Those get boring to look at. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and and you see you see that the one thing i regret is they stopped selling 2020 21 cards way before mls 
2020 cards and JLK League 2020 cards. And I mean, I like it because it's consistent and it's good, but I don't like it because it's going to be a bloodbath on the market, on the primary market in the coming weeks. You think so? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Not yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have any intel on, uh, since you're sponsored by Soya now, on uh, Soya becoming a, a unicorn. But um, I guess that in France, at least, uh, medias are covering it as it's a done deal. Do, and you, so, do unicorns have four horns? <laughs> no. I heard four billion. Okay. No, unicorns are, are maybe some people don't know about this, but it's companies that were that are worth more than uh, one billion dollars or one billion euro. Um, and of course, when they are going to actually confirm that, and they are not denying it anymore. They're just saying we have nothing to announce no, yet. <laughs> um, we're looking to uh, many ways to um, accelerate our growth, but we have nothing to announce yet. Yeah, and, and they have 20 positions posted. Yeah. And, and they're sponsoring but... podcasts. <laughs> Just throwing cash around like it's nothing. Yeah, this I'm not is, getting any money. Right now. Yeah. yeah that, that's after the podcast when I ask you about the, the cut I'm taking on this. Yes, of course. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, when it's going to be official and they're going to be, to be marketing about it, I guess that's the time where it's going to be a bloodbath on the market. The, it, the last time it was uh, the, the frenzy and people buying Mbappes for 20th or 50th, it was coinciding with the time where they announced they were raising 50 million. I've got one final question for you. Uh, in the French community, do you guys refer to this as to, to March as the boom? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a boom, but yeah. Everybody calls it that. How do you yeah. say the boom in French? Uh, explosion. <laughs> Very nice. But you, you can also it's like explosion, but uh, you can also say a boom. Uh, also, a bit of French trivia for you guys: um, a boom is also a party when you're like in middle school and you're going to uh, la boom. We call it that, and when you dance with the people and you do slow dancing with the girls so it's that awkward middle school dance yeah no no it's yeah yeah the party it's yeah. french so it's all good and, and there's there's a famous french movie that is called la boom so you you should you, the 80 86 or something you you guys should check it out okay no you shouldn't that's my homework assignment there yeah that's it that's what we're doing today all right, this uh, has been the latest episode of the Sower Andrews podcast. Maxime, thank you again for coming on. That was, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you here. We're always smarter when you're on. So thank you for coming on. Um, as we've said like six times in the last hour or last 10 minutes, excuse me, this has been sponsored by SoRare. So um, hopefully that doesn't change. Nobody noticed any changes, but uh, well, I'm sure somebody will be upset. But anyway, um, we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, we have... A few people asking us to talk about super rares. So I think that's where we're heading. So if you guys have any specific questions on super rares or topics that you'd like us to cover, feel free to contact us. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Rotowire Andrew. And is at ablack86. I almost messed that up for the 700th time. And as well, available in the uh, so rare Discord under uh, Black. And I think I'm Andrew M. Laird there or Lairdino. Lairdino. 
yeah, Lairdino. So check us out. Gentlemen, thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Yes. See you soon, guys. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.